you very much indeed. Delighted to, to be here uh, today, reflecting on the, on the Second World War, which is uh, rather routinely regarded as a foundational moment for modern Britain, uh, a moment in which something changed decisively uh, and quickly, and not from 1939, but from 1940. Now, a lot of attention is given to the political, ideological, and social aspects of, of change. Uh, the standard stories, the shift from the miseries of the 1930s to the new world of promise um, of the Beveridge Report, leading, of course, to the post-war welfare uh, state under the Labour uh, government. Now, the histories of, uh, written in the 1960s also stressed the dynamic role of the wartime state in modernising the economy. Uh, thus, A.J.B. Taylor insisted that it was a Second World War which brought the British economy into the 20th century. And of course, many, many historians and others have argued the Second World War um, played an extraordinarily important role in bringing forward new machines and new medicines, uh, jet engines to penicillin. Indeed, the war has come to be seen as the one moment in which Britain, or perhaps just its elite, could be raised from its lethargy uh, uh, in the 20th century. It's seen uh, as much more important in that respect than, for example, post-war labor governments, where the white heat of technology uh, failed, the wartime spirit, the Dunkirk spirit, had succeeded. Indeed, it's interesting to note just how much progressive social change has been said to have happened during the war. It was even joked in the 60s that the only way to start up social change again was to start another world war. So many believe the war led to increased equality, not least through uh, rationing, and through rationing and uh, perhaps uh, uh, through equality more indirectly, to better health outcomes. We all know that rationing was good for the health of the British uh, people. Now, so important has this picture of the war uh, remained that in 2010, uh, Caroline Lucas, the, a uh, wonderful MP for, uh, for, for, for Brighton, argued in uh, a pamphlet uh, called The New Home Front that the British war effort was a model for environmental and political advance today. And that pamphlet stressed recycling, conservation of material resources, improvement in, in, in health, and much else uh, besides. Now, that's... Um, that pamphlet was rightly criticized by Timothy Cooper in a history and policy opinion piece of 2011. Uh, today, I, I want to expand on and go further uh, in criticizing uh, that picture uh, of uh, the Second World War. Now, the war did see, uh, certainly by the standards of today, extraordinarily rapid rates of change and adaptation. Indeed, I think older accounts underplayed the speed of these changes. Uh, for example, uh, in the case of public uh, expenditure, we went from something like 10% of GDP devoted to, to, to warfare just before the war to over 50% uh, by 1941. It's extraordinary rapid uh, change. In 1940, Britain very suddenly lost access to its key, to many of its key raw materials and foods indeed. Suddenly, there was no more Swedish iron ore or Baltic timber or paper pulp or aspartic grass for paper 
or indeed Dutch eggs or Danish bacon, a staple of uh, the British breakfast then, uh, then much more so than, than, uh, than today. The war also saw extraordinary building of new industrial capacity, something like, something like the equivalent of the entire existing railway system was built uh, in the form of factories for arms production over uh, four or five uh, years. On top of that, you've got aerodromes, military communication systems, which essentially replicated, say, the road system uh, in terms of concrete uh, uh, laid down or the, in, uh, the entire pre-war uh, telephone system of, uh, of, of Britain. But I want to argue that crucial dimensions of the old uh, story need a rethinking. Yes, change was dramatic, but it wasn't always in the directions commonly uh, supposed. For example, the cut-off in supplies um, from certain parts of the world did not necessarily lead to national production, to national self-sufficiency, which has been quite an important theme in terms of thinking about energy security and so on, food security um, uh, 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 today. Britain did not become more national during the war. Rather, new and more distant sources of supply were exploited. Now, while it's true that timber, um, uh, the, the Scandinavian or Baltic timber was replaced by British uh, timber, and, um, and wheat became more likely to come from, from a British field, that's not generally true. The food mileage of British meat actually increased as Danish bacon was replaced with Canadian bacon. Indeed, the proportion of meat from the other side of the equator in the British diet increased during the Second World War. Indeed, overall meat imports went up uh, 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 um, uh, during the war. The point is that Britain integrated itself in the global economy in new ways rather than isolating itself from them. To take another uh, uh, example, uh, Caroline Lucas laid particular stress uh, on the fact that private motoring practically disappeared during the Second uh, World War as a result of extraordinarily rigorous petrol uh, rationing. And all that is correct. However, the imports of oil into Britain doubled during the Second World War. They doubled. The armed services consumed oil on a lavish scale at sea, in the air, and on land. Indeed, the armed services were extraordinarily well supplied uh, uh, right through the Second World War. What about rationing? Well, the, we have a very powerful image of rationing as uh, central to British life, uh, notably, of course, in the case of food. And most food was, in fact, not rationed, contrary to popular uh, belief. Secondly, rationing did not necessarily cut back availability of supply of food very much at all. Meat is a very, uh, very good uh, case in point. There was a fall in perhaps 25% in meat consumption in Britain. Indeed, the consumption of red meat during the war was higher than it is today. That's how, that's how well Britain was um, uh, supplied. So the reason for rationing was to stop increases in uh, in uh, food consumption as people became richer through higher employment and higher, uh, higher wages, and as a method of price control and ensuring, as ensuring fairness. It's not particularly about reducing uh, consumption. And it's indeed 
the rationing is uh, essentially confined to imported goods or goods uh, with a large proportion of uh, imports. Now, what about uh, equality? It's a standard theme that war increased uh, 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 equality. And one reason that, that's given is that um, the, 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 the bombing airplane was indiscriminate. But actually, we know it wasn't indiscriminate. Uh, it hit uh, EastEnders. It hit people living in port cities. And of course, service in the various armed services uh, did the Merchant Navy was not, uh, uh, was not equally shared. Merchant seamen, frontline soldiers, and bomber crews had radically higher chances of being killed than the average uh, soldier, or indeed, uh, perhaps most obviously of all, the average uh, uh, service man or woman in the Royal uh, in the Royal Air Force. Now, the war did increase equality in some dimensions, but it increased, it introduced huge new inequalities too often uh, ignored. Uh, for example, British troops and munitions workers were fed off the civilian ration, and they were fed very generously uh, indeed, certainly by the standards of the ration. It depended what kind of job you had. How much, how much food you had. Now, the standard idea that there was an increase in the people's health during the war is um, uh, a very uh, long standing. It dates to, to the war uh, itself and deeply uh, entrenched. In fact, there was, there was no increase in um, health outcomes uh, during the war that one did that one did not get before the war. In other words, you get a continuation of the improvement of health, generally speaking. Apart from a very significant retrogression in 1940 and 1941. So the net effect of the war is to make people in Britain less healthy rather than, rather than more. Uh, indeed, uh, doctors, uh, and nurses, and hospitals were shifted to serve the armed services and other uh, essential uh, people deemed to be essential, leaving less in the way, uh, less for um, the civilian population in general. Now, there was rapid development in new machines, in new factories, uh, and so on. But again, discrimination is key to understanding what was going on. Britain was left with gleaming new facilities for the making of weapons and run-down facilities for the making of civil goods. The mines, the cotton mills, and the railways remained in a sorry, uh, in a sorry state. Now, of course, uh, the invention and development of new techniques was uh, extensive during the war, but um, very largely confined to the production of new kinds of weapons. And uh, increase, uh, um, and important innovations in health, and not, not all of them, were applied first on a large scale to the armed services and not to the civilian uh, population, the case of penicillin being uh, uh, exemplary in that, um, in that respect. What about environmental uh, impact? Yes, indeed, there was much emphasis on what was called salvage, on make, do, and mend, on digging for victory, indeed, on general uh, austerity. But I think it's a great mistake to characterize the whole of the British war effort 
in that way. Austerity, make, do, and mend, salvage, uh, certainly applied to, um, to much of the civil population, but it most certainly did not apply to the armed forces. I've already mentioned the case of, of oil, profligate use of, uh, necessary perhaps, use of, uh, of oil. But more generally, the armed services got what they wanted and could waste uh, extraordinary uh, amounts. In any case, in the bigger uh, uh, scheme of things, the, the armed services were, of course, uh, devoted to, um, to waging war, to waging a devastating war, not least against uh, civilians in, uh, in Germany. So to see, to, to, to conclude, to see uh, the war, um, well, the war was seen, and still is seen, as a period of accelerated, progressive change in lots of different dimensions. It's argued that what made the nation better also made it better at fighting, and that's why there was this impetus uh, to, towards social, economic, and political uh, reform. But I think this is to misunderstand the nature of the British war effort, to neglect the massive dislocations which were accommodated and the myriad negative consequences of uh, the war. It was the state in its war-making uh, ambitions with, which drove uh, change. It was a state war and not, as it came to be characterized from the 1960s, a people's war. And what's remarkable is that we've come to see it uh, as a people's war, a high point of achievement for British social uh, democracy. So I think the lesson for, for, for today is given that the, the remaining resonance of the war as a moment of progressive social change, uh, beware what you wish for.